Welcome, welcome to Love Your Falva, a podcast on healing the wounds of the past and coming into your best today by being liberated from the power that the past can have over your life and the decisions that you make today that when accumulated end up becoming your life. And this happens without you being conscious of it. So my aim is to bring more awareness and consciousness of how the past steers the present and how we can use it to our advantage rather than the opposite, rather than being led by it unconsciously. Love Your Falva is all about your inner masculine and feminine energy dynamics and how they show up in your external reality, meaning how they affect all your relationships. That's your relationships with family members, friends, romantic partners, lovers, colleagues, strangers, money, job, creative pursuits, the food you eat, and how you treat and take care of your own body, and everything else in your life. Okay, so here we are with the fourth episode of Love Your Falva, how to heal those funky family dynamics. So last time we left off with the 17th symptom that I said I was going to come back to, uh, dysfunctional family dynamics. So I've called it funky family dynamics uh, just for the fun of it this time uh, because it kind of takes away from that weight. Nobody wants to identify as coming from dysfunctional family dynamics. Uh, so, But we all do come from something funky. Like, if you had a family, you can't deny the fact that there was something funky going on. (laughs) So we're going to look at some of those funky family dynamics today and um, how to heal from them. So I myself, I was 13 years old when I ran from home. Um, So that happened, yes. I was 13 and one day my 13-year-old self had had enough. And (laughs) I, I... don't think that anybody remembers or even knows about it except for my mom because I told my mom I was like I am leaving and she was like all right well doors wide open let's see what you do we'll see you in a couple of hours you know (laughs) you're not gonna survive Hoda and and she was absolutely right but I was determined and it was it was like eight nine o'clock probably around 9 p.m. And the last bus that ran in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, where I grew up in Canada, was at, I believe, 11 or 11.30. So I was on the next bus um, that was making its way downtown to the mall that we spent our weekends uh, in watching movies. I think it was about 9.30, and I was sitting at the back of the bus, and I was sent an angel the only person that was sitting um, all the way across the long seat at the back of the bus was this guy who was um, 19 years old at the time. And uh, I don't remember his name, but he noticed me. He noticed that I was in this fight, flight, freeze mode. He noticed that I was worried. He noticed that I was... I mean, my mind was racing, uh, for sure. I was I was thinking about how I was going to survive this, where I was going to go. How would I get home, you know, if I needed to, if I changed my mind? Oh, <laughs> so, um, 
So yeah, this guy, he was like, okay, he, he struck up conversation and then he asked me to coffee at the mall. And we sat down and we talked for about a couple of hours. And then he offered me a ride home and he said that to make me feel safe. Now remember that this was a 19-year-old guy, first year of college studying psychology. So uh, to make me feel safe, he made sure to mention his sister and that, you know, it would be lovely for him and his sister to meet me at some point in the future. And um, yeah, he gained my trust and uh, we got in his van. And he gave me a ride home and he gave me a big old hug. And I went home forgetting all my troubles. And he had a dashing smile, by the way. I forgot all my woes. I forgot everything. I forgot um, why I was running to begin with. And I slept like a baby that night. Feeling confident, feeling happy, feeling seen, feeling heard, feeling understood, feeling like someone listened, sympathized, empathized, and cared. Probably that was one of the first and rare experiences of feeling all of these feelings at once. Um, I needed to experience both, the contrast both feeling completely unsafe and unheard and unlistened to and unseen and misunderstood, hurt, um, uh, neglected, and the exact opposite. In one day, in just one day, experiencing both. And, um, and then I would forget for many, many, many years to come until just yesterday when I remembered the story as I've been focusing on creating this podcast for you. So these feelings of being unheard, unsafe, etc. are the feelings that a child will go through that you will have gone through if you came from any level of funky family dynamics or any kind of dysfunction in the family. What does dysfunction mean? What do I mean by funky or dysfunctional? I mean, fighting or a lack of peace was something that was unpredictably always on the verge of happening. And then later in your future adult life, in your romantic relationships, it plays out as the same. Fighting is more the norm than peace, peace of mind just enjoying each other's presence. You got to pick at something, pick on something, complain about something. Something is always wrong. There's always a sense of dissatisfaction inside of one or both partners that causes volatile grounds and constantly wanting to fight. So one of the reasons why these relationships play out this way is because one or both partners have had some funky family dynamics in their childhood that caused that need for a child to have stability and security in feeling safe and seen was just wasn't there just wasn't there so please let's establish this one thing please know that the funk 
is all about a group of human beings together under one roof having very real needs that neither of them knows how to meet in a healthy and open and direct way. So they have adopted from their environments, from their childhood, from their parents, from lots of different variables, lots of different people and factors, authority figures, etc. From anything that they could claw at and hold on to, they could grope in the dark and find. They have found strategies to get those needs met. For example, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you specific strategies for getting your needs met in a funky situation. All right. (laughs) Number one, number one, enmeshment. So the first strategy to get the needs met is to be enmeshed. Uh, Let's just dive into some questions to find out what the hell enmeshment even means. One, do you struggle with expressing your needs? Two, do you struggle with the concept of boundaries? You may not even know your boundaries, let alone how to communicate them. Three, you find it difficult to trust anyone who wants to get close to you. Four, you keep attracting codependent relationships. It kind of feels suffocating, all right? You feel stifled in a codependent relationship, but more on that later. And five, you consistently feel misunderstood or unappreciated. Now, if you answered more yeses to those questions than no, then enmeshment has been a very real experience in your life. And what did it probably look like? It probably looked like the entire family had one emotion. And if one person had a separate, individual, unique feeling or opinion, it wasn't welcome. It wasn't embraced. Uh, it was like, no, 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 no. But, but all of us think this way. So you need to come be one with us. You need to conform. Uh, It looked like one person's emotions overpowered the emotions of the entire family. So if one person got angry or sad or whatever, um, everybody else had to be involved in it. So there was no individual release of emotions and taking care of them. It was, okay, everybody else gets to take responsibility for this emotion that I'm going through right now. You got to be involved. You got to feel it like I feel it. And the children um, may feel like they have no choice but to be a part of the drama that somebody else is going through the emotional drama. So what somebody else's emotional drama does is it traumatizes the other members of the family and causes them to later in life feel other people's feelings more than they feel their own feelings. Doesn't that explain a lot for highly sensitive people? Do you identify as a highly sensitive person? Because guess what? There's a reason why you're highly sensitive. Do you identify as what they call, quote unquote, an empath who is like really, really in tune with other people's feelings and is able to feel other people's feelings? First of all, that's a superpower. But before you are able to use its superpowers, you need to understand 
where it came from. You can't turn uh, something that you don't understand into a superpower. You can't manipulate it and use it for the good of the collective. But you can use it for healing and for the good of the collective and, and, and turn it into a superpower if you know its potency and if you know how it was even created to begin with. Here's how it was created. You were hypervigilant. One person in the family, two people in the family got super emotional, super dramatic. They would combust spontaneously and what you needed to do was you needed to play a role in that situation if you were joyful your joy had to be stifled had to be extinguished and you had to also go into that place of fear and um, accommodate the needs first of all find out what the needs of that person are and then accommodate it somehow in order to bring peace back into the family So one person's drama, one person's woes, problems, troubles became a a, a big thing in the family. And you would have done anything to bring peace back to the family. And you did. You probably did. Was it shutting up? Was it dimming your light? Was it hiding? Was it crying? Was it just standing in a corner and sweating it out? until everything died down and became peaceful again? Was it saying some things uh, to calm the person down? Was it um, needing to go shop for something? Needing to go and, and get something for that person? Was it running away? What was it? You needed to react somehow in order to bring back peace. So basically, one person's feelings were more important than the feelings of the rest of the family members. If one person's sadness, for example, made you angry, your anger didn't matter. Your anger wasn't seen. Your anger wasn't heard. You just had to deal with it on your own. What was put on a pedestal was the other person's sadness. And because you love your family members deeply by default, doesn't matter how you feel about them now, but back then, oh, the, the love bonds were undeniable. So because as a child, you love your family members deeply, undeniably, in the most attached way uh, that the human experience can experience, you would have done anything to bring peace to that person, to see that person happy again, to see that person calm. So that made you sensitive, giving, hypervigilant, on the lookout for what's next for you to fix. And then in your future relationships, you become a fixer, a saver. So enmeshment is a mixing of relationships to get messages across, to get needs met, to feel understood, to feel seen. Enmeshment is also a mixing of relationships. So relationships aren't independent of each other. For example, this is the most common area of healing in the work that I do when it comes to mom and dad. If mom and dad were not getting along, one of them would have probably expected you as a child to take their side. 
Now this starts very, very harmlessly uh, with who do you like better, mommy or daddy? So we're seated already with this, this person or that person make a choice. But then slowly as you grow up and you see that this is a thing, then that's when it gets serious that you actually do need to decide. So if you are nice with mom, whereas dad expects you to be on his side uh, because he's fighting with mom, he doesn't have his relationship together with mom, so he expects you to also treat her in an unfair manner. This is enmeshment or the other way around. If your mom has a beef with dad and she's angry at him and she expects you to also play that exact same role towards him, that's enmeshment. Whereas in a healthy dynamic, you would be like, okay, I hear you, mom. I see that you're, you're ticked off at him, but that's for you and him to settle, to resolve. That's not my responsibility. That's not my problem. So I hear you. It's all good. Now, when dad arrives, I'm going to be nice to him and I'm going to be like, hey. But in a dysfunctional situation, if dad arrives and you're like, hey, dad, how's it going? There's some dinner. And your mom looks at you like, excuse me, did you just betray me? Was that a betrayal of trust? That's enmeshment. No, no, honey, it's not a betrayal of trust. I listened to you. That's my relationship with you. But my relationship with dad is separate and it's distinct. And I don't have a problem with him. And I do hope that he eats a warm meal tonight. For example, these are just very basic examples. Now, this can be among siblings. If one sibling confides in another about a parent treating them a certain way, like grounding them or whatever, the other sibling naturally will be affected. But to expect your brother or sister to treat that parent differently because of your relationship with the parent that's going in a weird way, that might be experiencing some struggles, that is enmeshment. And enmeshment doesn't work. Let's move on to other ways of meeting needs uh, that makes the dynamics in the relationships involved under one roof. This could also be a business, by the way, corporate. <laughs> um, any kind of hierarchy under one roof um, where people need to get certain needs met, these relationship dynamics can play out. And it's really important to become aware of these strategies that we use unconsciously to get our needs met that aren't really serving us as a thriving, evolving, expanding human species. So the next one is manipulation. Manipulation comes with the mother wound. It's the wounded feminine in all of us. Whether we identify as male or female, it doesn't matter. Manipulation is the strategy of the wounded feminine through either crying or uh, playing dumb or uh, 
creating psychosomatic pain situations in order to be seen, heard, loved, um, attended to, and cared for. I know mm, someone in the past who got who was basically emotionally divorced from her husband but they still lived together and they had kids and um, it worked out among family and friends but they slept in different bedrooms and they basically let's be real they basically loved each other but hated each other okay and uh, there was not even a single touch exchanged between them they would pass by each other almost in disgust and they told me about a story uh, that had happened years and years before in their marriage and that was that she had this excruciating pain in her lower back that led to them taking her in an emergency to the hospital and um, the doctor uh, looking at all of the tests and scans arrived at nothing now we're not saying that her pain wasn't real but the mind can create pain in order for such attention to be given. So her husband was finally able, through this dramatic situation, to cancel his business trip because he was always away. He was a workaholic, never giving her any attention. She, needing touch and affection, um, had, had come into this psychosomatic experience where he had to he ended up having to cancel his business trip so that he could take her to the doctor and the doctor was like this is nothing and he actually he as in the husband told me that he was told by the doctor that they had to amputate her legs in order to save her and she was in so much pain that she said fine you know take my legs but the husband didn't allow it and he said I became you know the the hero and I stopped the doctor from doing this and I just kind of um, swooped in and saved my wife and took her back home and she was better in a matter of days well what do you know what do you know I believe that that doctor was smart and he knew what was happening and he just said he would amputate her legs just out of um, sheer leadership in that moment um, to, to cause people to come into panic and to come to themselves and make a decision for affection and heroism. I think that doctors can see what is really a physical ailment and what is a psychosomatic manifestation that's coming from an unmet need from loved ones. So manipulation isn't always somebody sitting, tapping their finger fingers and, and uh, devising evil plans. Manipulation can simply be um, childish reactivity. Or in a situation like this, psychosomatic diseases that become so desperate that that call that they call for attention and the person has no choice but to um, finally give that person some love attention and uh, help them to be seen heard 
um, and loved and attended to and cared for. So another way that in funky family dynamics we get our needs met is by bullying. So like thrashing out, um, physical abuse, yelling, threatening. If you do this, then I'm going to do that. Um, It doesn't have to be highly abusive. It could just be a condition. Like if you don't do that, then I'm going to do this. Or if you do that, then this is the consequence. It's like holding people hostage. This is a way of getting needs met that is dysfunctional. The next thing is using shame or guilt in order to get people to do the thing that you want them to do. So parents can guilt trip their kids into doing things, into even loving them. Um, siblings can guilt trip each other into um, staying in a, in a family clique, a family bond that looks a certain way and if one person wants to be their own person be individualistic and be unique and have their own special hobbies beliefs emotions separate from the family dynamic they can be guilted or shamed into coming back into alignment with what the entire family um, is feeling in order to get family approval you might be guilt tripped and shamed into doing, believing, um, representing certain things that don't feel like yourself. The next way to get needs met is by performing, achieving, self-betraying for approval. Uh, This happens a lot with uh, perfectionist people who never pause and who are like working, 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 working their whole lives. Get that college degree, get that job, get that promotion, you know. And then one day they hit 40 some and they have this crisis like what have I been doing with my life this whole time? I've been doing, doing, doing things, achieving, achieving, achieving things so that I would get the approval of my family who expected my life to look like this. And this person can be highly sensitive, very intelligent. They may have the tendency to numb their feelings very easily. Um, And that's a question to ask yourself. Can I easily numb my feelings? Don't judge it. Don't judge it. If the answer is yes, don't judge it. I numb my, my feelings easily. And this is in alignment with what we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast because it becomes easy to numb your own feelings and feel other people's feelings. So as a highly sensitive, emotionally in-tune person, you can find yourself not in touch with your own feelings um, as much as you are in touch with other people's feelings. It's really important to admit to that because it's it's with admitting to that that you begin to heal into pushing back other people's feelings and beginning to come back home to your own body, your emotional body, and beginning to feel them for what they are and acting accordingly and setting boundaries accordingly. This is all about boundaries. Funky family dynamics. They cause us to not have clear and clearly communicated boundaries. All right? Because it's all about the other person. In a nutshell, that's what this whole thing is about. It's all about someone else. It's not about me. 
if it is about me that I'm either selfish or there's something wrong with me or I'm not allowed to or I'm going to feel guilty or I'm going to feel ashamed if it's about me. Whereas any other healthy person will be like, no, 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 no. My boundaries first. My preferences first. Humbly, I love taking care of other people, but I need to do that coming from a space of being overflowing myself first. So I take care of me so that I can take care of you. So finally, let's come to the favorite part. My favorite part of the podcast is today in the dating world, in your romantic relationships. It's really important to look at the stuff, see where you are with all of this, where you were with all of this as a child, and then get into the game of dating. Get out there, date. See what you're attracting. Because so long as you're healing from this stuff, you're still attracting people who are going to trigger those exact same dynamics. And constantly journal around how safe you feel. Do you feel safe in your own body? Do you feel safe next to that person? Is your body giving you alarms? Is your body giving you any signs that this person is triggering anxiety in you? You need to dive deep into that. Feel it. Feel, maybe even, for the person that you are attracted to. For that one person, maybe two people in the next maybe year of dating or so, right? Feel it, feel those feelings. Then if it doesn't work out, and usually while you're still healing, it doesn't. While you're still healing these triggers, it doesn't work out. Why? Here's, here's, here's the answer in a nutshell, but this is a different podcast. It's because while you're still healing dysfunctional family dynamics, you're also healing your attachment style, which is not a secure attachment style. Your attachment style is either avoidant or anxiously attached. And if you're in one of those, you're also attracting people who are the opposite. If you're an avoidant, you're going to attract anxiously attached. If you're anxiously attached, you're going to attract avoidant. And So long as you're attracting um, this into your life and not coming from a secure place yourself so that you're also attracting secure people, then it's, let's just say it's unlikely for it to work out and you're still doing healing work. But you gotta keep attracting these people into your life. You gotta keep dating. You gotta keep monitoring, scanning yourself and your thoughts and your feelings and your emotional body and the level of safety that you feel in order to finally come to a place where when it doesn't work out, instead of crumbling, you feel like there's less anxiety. You don't reach out. You don't call. You don't feel like your worth has lowered You feel fully like yourself, worthy, confident, awesome. And you're like, oh, whoa, 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 hold the phone. I've got so many other options. (laughs) And that's you adulting. That's finally not functioning as the hurt child in you that went through those things that we just mentioned as a child in those family dynamics. That's you finally becoming your own parent. That's you finally raising a boundary to these dates that aren't working and sticking to those boundaries. That's you being the parent 
in that situation. Because that, that date, that person that you're attracting into your life is actually a reminder of that parent that created those funky dynamics, those funky relationship dynamics in you. So essentially, if you're a guy, and for example, you had some challenging relationship dynamics with your mother, and you're heterosexual, and you're dating a woman, and you've still got a lot of healing to do, you've still got a lot of accepting of all of these dynamics to do, she's probably going to remind you of those dynamics. And so she's representing your mom. And the day when you see that, you feel that in your body and you say no to that, no matter how attractive, no matter how enticing, no matter how seductive, no matter how deep the connection seems, when you say no to that, that's the day that you're finally making room for a different dynamic, a new, healthier, more wholesome relationship dynamic. The kind that makes you feel safe, loved, seen, heard, touched, cared for, attended to, without using any of those funky strategies. So your no to that is your message being sent out in this way. No, mom, I will not be manipulated into doing this. No, dad, I will not be guilt-tripped into doing that. No, mom, I will not be yelled into behaving that way. No, dad, I will not be bullied into meeting that standard. I will not be overly nice and sensitive about your situation and actually go do my own thing without feeling like I have to save you from something. I will not be overly nice and sensitive and and play small so that you would save me so that you would feel good about yourself. No, no. Because if I say yes to any of those, I'm still trauma bonding. Trauma bonding. The next episode. Episode 5 of Love Your Falva. The sweet place of balance between the feminine and the masculine within yourself. Love, secure attachment. Love, not running. Love, not running after or chasing. Not avoiding. Love, coming from a place of brightening up your light. Not dimming your shine but turning up the light on yourself, showing up and telling the world, this is me, this is who I am, this is what I represent. And it's not only okay and worthy, it's awesome, it's irreplaceable, and you know you want it. (laughs) Until next time, love and light, healing self-knowledge empowerment and balance your way. <laughs>